welcome to the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update. It's your favorite host, Robert Hunt. Where I look at the week's financial news, that can be confusing, misleading, and take you off course, and I make it actionable, understandable, and clear. What a show for you today. We are going to look at some doozies. At the top, we're going to look at a Wall Street Journal article that talks about the classic 60-40 investment strategy, and it's falling apart. See what we can learn from that. We'll also be looking at, yes, Justin Bieber. So many believers have been requesting I mention him on the podcast. Well, your prayers have been answered this day. We're going to dig into how Mr. Bieber made some investment choices and what we can learn from him without blame or judgment. And then we're going to dip into one of my favorite folks, Morgan Housel. I had a friend of the podcast text me today an excellent quote. And I found the source, and we're going to look at what Morgan Housel, well, a story Morgan Housel reiterates to press home a point. And then as the story concludes, we will discuss the final chapter in selling a six-month U.S. Treasury note. I sold it this morning. We're going to get into how that went, if this is something that would be recommended for you, the listener. But let's take it from the top. The Wall Street Journal <clears throat> read an article this week, November 13th, by Akane Otani and Karen Langley. Headlined, the classic 60-40 investment strategy falls apart. Open quote, there's no place to hide, close quote. What is the classic 60-40 investment strategy? Well, 60% stocks, those fractional ownerships and businesses, and 40% bonds, those promises that typically governments or other uh, well-heeled corporations will give a promise to return their money with interest. So stocks being the more aggressive, bonds being the more conservative. A little context for you is that this has been, I'll call it a tried and true, plain vanilla, down the fairway investment strategy, and there's good reason for it. It has weathered downturns very well because typically what can happen is your bond portion, those promises I mentioned, those promises stay the same, even when the economy is in the tanker. E because typically, the U.S. Treasury is the one making a lot of those promises in those 60-40 portfolios, and the U.S. Treasury, believe it or else, it technically can't default. I know there might be some folks on here who would disagree with that, but modern monetary theory and Ms. Stephanie Kelton have taught us that there really is no way that the U.S. can't not pay its debts. We can just create inflation, which is what you have today. So that is resilient, that 40% bonds is resilient in the recession, and the 60% stocks, hey, it goes up. Uh, when things are going well. So it's that kind of hot and cold water mix that does well over time. Well, this year it didn't. And so it has created an incredible amount of anxiety. And that's what this article details. It goes on to say, <clears throat> I'll read here, despite a powerful rally last week after cooler than expected inflation data, the S&P 500 is down in 2022 about 15%, including dividends, while bonds are in their first bear market in decades. So a portfolio with 60% of its money in U.S. stocks and 40% invested in the 10-year U.S. Treasury note has lost 15% this year. That puts the 60-40 investment mix on track for its worst year since 1937, according to an analysis by investment research and asset management firm Lethold Group. So they've got a beautiful chart here from the Lethold Group showing, hey, when is the 60-40 mix done poorly? And it's pretty rare, but this is going back to 1880. 80. It looks like we've got a bit of a 
1930 maybe. Well, maybe not. No, no, no. Anyway, they, they, they've got a couple little dips, but not a lot. I'm kind of having to squint to see when was it down, but you can definitely see 2022 on the chart. So not good. And then it recounts these stories, right? It's these narratives that bring to life the difficulty of investing. So when I give this data in a vacuum, it may not mean a lot to you, unless, of course, you're feeling this, which you probably are. But it details these retirees, typically stories, and the pressure they're up against, and the, what's the pressure they feel to abandon the 60-40 strategy. So a quote was given by a financial advisor, Peter Mullock. He says, what's shocking investors is there's no place to hide, said Peter Mullock, president and chief executive, executive officer of wealth management company Creative Planning. Everything on the statement is blood red. Ah. So a lot of times we have these implicit promises that we tell ourselves, or maybe others have told us about what the market owes us or what it can give us. And those promises, when they ring true, when the market goes up, when we, when that, you know, hey, if we give money, we'll get more in return. When things are going well, we don't think much of it. When things are going poorly, we immediately, that shakes the very foundation of our investment philosophy and requires perhaps a closer inspection of that investment philosophy. Now, my advice to these folks who are feeling anxious, understandably, is to hang in there. That can be cold comfort for the retiree. It, it mentions these various stories of retirees <clears throat> who feel a lot of fear. I'll quote one of these. Uh, this is a Miss Pollock. She said, if I get out of it, I'll only lock my losses in. I'll just have to hang on to my belief in the American economy. Another quote, I saved and invested responsibly and made plans. This is a big gut check. Millions of us said we're going to retire early, yay, and now we're thinking, wait a second, what the heck happened? So plenty of folks anticipated a continuation of past performance in the markets and that hasn't happened and therefore they're thrown into a panic and they want to stop the bleeding. It, it can be very painful to look at your statements, particularly if you're in retirement or if you're approaching it, but even when you're younger and, and see that you every month it appears you're losing money. Every month you're losing money. Well, what what's someone to do? Surely, in every other area of life we are to do something. If there's a fire in the house, put it out, get out of the house. Water's leaking, call the plumber. The roof's got a problem. You had hail, call the roofer. I just did that. Text me if you want advice. If the fence falls down, get the fence guy. Who do we call? Who are you going to call when the market's down? Who are you going to call when the market's down? Well, <clears throat> there's always Robert Hunt Financial. But you know what he's going to tell you? Hang in there. Work on the education side of things. But don't make any moves. What I found helpful for me, and this is instructive for me, is this advisor saying, often we will start meetings and they will nervous, they being the clients will nervously ask, are we okay? I think they're referring to the country and the economy and the stock market. And they're also referring to themselves personally, are we okay financially? Another quote, I spent 40 years making this money. I don't want to blow it. What an understandable sentiment. What an understandable fear. My advice was any strategy, 60-40 or any other strategy you have, one sour year, do not, you know, beware, the sales people are coming to promise you relief from your pain. What they're not telling you is the cost of that relief, the side effects of that drug they want to prescribe to you, 
called no volatility, no losses. Just do what I say and you'll be fine. Be very aware of that. Very aware of that. Stick with it. <clears throat> Easy for me to say, but be willing to invite someone like myself or, or anyone else into the conversation to help you see your own blind spots. We've all got them. And for the believers, you're welcome. Here's Justin Bieber. So an article that caught my eye in Yahoo Finance, some of this goodness, it's hard to read, but headline, Justin Bieber paid $1.3 million for a Bored Ape NFT. It's now worth $69,000. NFT non-fungible token. So it's this, yeah, this. I've never bought one. <clears throat> if you're an expert in NFTs, email me if I misspeak on any of this stuff. But the way I see it is essentially as a collectible. You've got these collectibles that are digital, and so you can only make one of these. And there was a bit of a craze that appears to be done. And these bored apes were kind of like beanie babies, if you remember that, or gosh, any other craze that's occurred where the value of something goes up for no other reason than other people think there's value. Uh, what happened, and this is, you know, basically experts inside the industry were criticizing Mr. Bieber when he bought it. They thought he overpaid 1.3 for this, even when it bought it, even in, at the peak, he said. I can't understand any of it. Other than I, what I want to focus on is the psychology. Uh, it's easy to look at something like this and say, oh, how silly, how juvenile, how, you know, he doesn't even need the money. We are not different from Justin Bieber. Maybe we don't sing or dance as well, but we're not different from an investment psychology standpoint. Think about, and he had the capacity to just pay $1.3 million. You may not have that, and so that was a protector for you. You can't put 401ks in NFTs, I hope, from what I, you know, hope not. But what happened with those NFTs, I'll call them digital beanie babies, is you just had to watch your friends. You know, maybe someone bought one of those for a thousand dollars, and a month later it was two thousand, and then two months later it was ten thousand, and then six months later it was hundred thousand, and and all of a sudden you're just watching prices go up and up and up and up. But eventually, in the same way when prices go down with that sixty forty article, you just say, "All right, forget it. I'm in. I don't know why, I don't know how, but I'm in." Don't want to miss the fear of missing out, that greed and fear that are driving us. Boom, I'll do it. And you can we can and we can convince ourselves we can self-advise in these moments in an unhealthy way. Well, everybody else seems to do it. The market seems to be supporting this. I'm being advised that this is helpful. I can make a digital, this is the new economy. All of a sudden, I can actually empathize with this. Oh, I've got money sitting around in my account. Yeah, I, I, this will be like a, like a little hedge here. I'm, I'm going to get my money out of the physical asset world, go to the digital asset world, get this board ape. Well, I mean, it is effectively vaporized. Incredible amount of money. For him, and not just him, but a ton of folks. And the Warren Buffett quote I'll go to is that you find out who's skinny dipping when the tide goes out. Well, if the asset really didn't have any value, and here come the interest rate hikes a lot, this this stuff happens. So focus on the psychology. Uh, Justin Bieber is probably a smart guy, and he just had the cash in an account, did it. I think you and I can get caught up in stuff like this. I think it's important to run these ideas by other people. Have someone in your life, if it's not Robert Hunt Financial, someone else, you can just pick up a phone and say, hey, I'm about to spend $1.3 million on a board ape NFT. What do you think? Even saying that out loud should slow you down, right? Huh? What? Board ape, okay. But we're not better than him. Let us not be haughty when we look at things like that. You and I can do that. Um, Morgan Housel. This blog, I got texted from a friend of Robertson Financial, and they had this quote. 
and this is on his blog. This is Housel recounting um, a lunch he had with a guy that's close with Warren Buffett. Just to be close with him is wonderful. I'll read this. <clears throat> Housel says, I recently had lunch with a guy who's close with Warren Buffett. This guy, we'll call him Jim, not his real name, was driving around Omaha with Buffett in late 2009. You remember that time? The global economy was crippled at this point, and Omaha was no exception. Stores were closed. Businesses were boarded up. Jim said to Warren, it's so bad right now. How does the economy ever bounce back from this? Warren said, Jim, do you know what the best-selling candy bar was in 1962? No, said Jim. Snickers, said Warren. And do you know what the best-selling candy bar is today? Warren said, no, said Jim. Snickers, said Warren. Then silence. That was the end of the conversation. Housel then concludes, I think what Buffett meant was, focusing on what's never going to change is more important than trying to anticipate how something might change. I'm going to read that again. Focusing on what's never going to change is more important than trying to anticipate how something might change. Now, how do we translate this for the non-stock picker? As I am not a stock picker, my advice is that you are not a stock picker either. Maybe for your 5% fund money you can be, but I don't recommend. What are we to do with this? Well, what I focused on what's never going to change, what are some things that I believe will never going to change? I believe that low cost will always be beneficial to you, the investor. That's never going to change. Let's focus on that. I believe diversification is always going to be a, a benefit in the long run. That's never going to change. I believe simplicity is always going to be to the benefit of you, the investor, and not the proprietor of financial products. I believe that's never going to change. These are, these are things that are never going to change. And therefore, we're going to focus on that. Th those things are more important than what can occupy a lot of our brain space with the news cycle, which is, what will the Federal Reserve do with their hikes? Will war lead to a spread of financial contagion over all of Europe and Asia? Will trade patterns get rerouted? Will we be able to maintain our standard of living, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Well, these are things I, I don't... It's very difficult to anticipate how that might change. We, the, the experts get this wrong, and they spend 80 hours a week sometimes with armies of hundreds, and they get it wrong. So, But we can focus on what never going to change. So let's let's do that. So thank you to you, Mr. Listener, for sending me that way. Morgan Housel, always a great resource. I'll put the, the link to this in the show notes. And then in conclusion, Robert's Corner. All great sagas come to an end. Even Frodo eventually threw that ring. Well, he didn't throw it, but Smeagol bit the, bit the finger off, and it went into Mount Dune. Eventually, you have to have your moment, and this is our moment in Robert's Corner where, yes, the precious has been brought to the fires. My six-month treasury note that I purchased a week or so ago. I bought it for $978.57, and I sold it this morning for $978.58. Great swing trade for me. Kind of scalped a penny. If I could just repeat that forever, I'll be in great shape. Ha ha. Nope. Um, this is what I learned. It was not easy, functionally, on the Vanguard site. They did not make it easy to sell these things. It was confusing to me. I had a moment clicking through various screens that I'd never clicked through before where I thought, you know, I might want to call Vanguard. This is There's enough stuff I'm clicking, but in the name of science and for you, the listener, I pressed onward, pressed forward, 
and eventually I kind of figured it out. I just never done it. So in hindsight, maybe it wasn't that big a deal, but I could, I would not recommend someone just to go solo buying and selling these notes. Uh, the marketplace feels a little weird. It's not like a stock. It's not like a bond ETF. It's just different. Here's the good news though. Unlike that certificate of deposit where I mentioned I, I do still own it from Customers Bank in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, where they were trying to get a haircut on me, it is, there's no haircut. The market's really liquid for these six-month treasury notes, as I anticipated. You can sell these in an instant, and there are a jillion buyers, and uh, no commissions on the Vanguard site, and if you can kind of muscle your way through some of the screens that aren't intuitive, it's pretty great. So I, I could see this in, in, in a certain instance where someone, man, you had a ton of money, you wanted to park for a little bit, and didn't want to mess with FDIC insurance, and wanted a little more than the online bank was offering you, and great, you, you know, you sign up for 4.5% and expose yourself to a little bit of market, not market risk, but duration risk, movement and interest rates, and this could be work, this could be a great deal. So my summary here is uh, wouldn't recommend this for someone unless they really want to try it, and then I'd have someone look over your shoulder or call Vanguard to walk you through it. And then um, there's, there's a proliferation of exchange traded funds that have fixed income instruments. So I, it has never been a better time to be an investor if you have the right knowledge than in 2022. It's always a bad time to be an investor when you don't have the right knowledge. But if you have the right knowledge, it has never been a better time to be an investor because you can, there are just an endless number of products, financial intermediaries who are signing up to offer you products at cost. They're, they're in, a lot of these products are not profit centers for them. These exchange trade funds that cost four basis points, 0.04% is what the Vanguard short-term treasury note exchange trade fund costs. I think it's VGSH, one to three year treasury notes. I think it's 0.04%. I mean, it's almost not worth talking about. It's so cheap. So I, I just do that. Take a little extra duration risk or just put it in the money market fund. Keep it simple. So there you go. That's your Robert's Corner. As always, keep those costs low. Keep that investing simple. Keep that time horizon long. Next week, we will be taking a week off of the podcast. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Uh, if you've got any questions, you can text me uh, during the Cowboys game. I zone out about quarter two. So send me those questions, and I'll just ping you back, whatever you got. Um, thank you for listening. We'll have you listening not next week, but the week after that. <laughs>